and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I would like to welcome back to the Path 11 podcast, a guest that we already had on the show last year, Sonia Lott, and she is episode 222. That's a magical number, by the way, guys. Um, (laughs) So we wanted to invite her back because she is going to be a presenter and a very busy person in (laughs) the Afterlife Awareness Conference this year, 2020. It's happening June 4th through the 7th in Chicago. And if you guys would like to attend in person, We would like to send you over to the afterlifeconference.com website. It's an amazing conference to really be there in person. And Path 11 Productions is actually going to be streaming it on our new video streaming channel that we're going to be launching this spring. If you would like more information and want to find out when we actually launch um, the streaming channel, you can go to our website, path11productions.com, sign up with your email address, and you will be notified as soon as it launches. And what our streaming channel is also going to include is the Afterlife Awareness Conference. So 2018's conference will be on there, 2019 and 2020. So for those of you maybe who have not already listened to episode 222, let me tell you a little bit about Sonia. So she received her PhD in counseling psychology from Temple University and has been licensed as a psychologist in Pennsylvania since 1991. She maintains a private practice devoted to helping individuals, families, and organizations transform their experience of anticipatory, acute, and complicated grief. She has completed advanced training in complicated grief therapy through the Center for Complicated Grief at Columbia University's Graduate School of Social Work. This year at the Afterlife Awareness Conference, she's going to tell you a little bit more about what she's doing, but she's also going to be serving as the grief counselor in residence, which is really cool. And in addition, she is the founder and CEO of ChemPsych. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but the SEMPSYCH, okay. And that stands for Continuing Education in Multicultural psychology. And that offers continuing education that supports mental health professionals in cultivating a multicultural orientation and is approved by the American Psychological Association to sponsor continuing education for psychologists. And that's also a really great thing when you attend in person at the Afterlife Awareness Conference. Uh, Terry Daniel has... um, worked her magic and there are quite a few of the presentations Sonia yours might be one of them where people can get their continuing education credits so Sonia welcome back to the path podcast hello my friend (laughs) thank you April yeah so let's start off uh last year you know we had you on the podcast and I got to meet you in person what was your experience of being there in person and you know teaching your first workshop there at the afterlife awareness conference it was life-changing. Um, I didn't know what to ex- to expect. I just knew that it was um, all in divine order, the way in which Terry and I met, um, and I ended up being invited to present. But it was, um, I felt like uh, I met my uh, another part of my soul tribe, both with uh, the other presenters and with the um other participants um 
it's hard to put into words, but it was just life transforming to be able to, um, for example, be present with someone who was in so much pain, uh, um, uh, suffering, uh, you know, the loss of uh, a parent with whom they were very, very connected with. And then seeing uh, Suzanne Northrup come in and do um, hone in on her and offer her um, a message from her mother and just to see the transformation um, in her soul in that moment um, and in following up with her after that moment. Um, just things like that that happened that I don't know, just so in alignment with why I do this work and what my beliefs are about the universe. Um, so I'm really excited about being back this year, but it was just life changing. Yeah. I, and, you know, I say it every year. It's so hard to explain the magic that happens there. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there is a palpable energy to the conference mm -hmm. in itself because everyone mm -hmm. that attends, everyone just has such beautiful energy. You can feel that even mm -hmm. though there are people in different stages of grief that we're mm -hmm. all here to support each other. Um, and everyone's just so friendly. <laughs> Not that it wouldn't be a yes. friendly event, but I don't know. It just feels like a real friendly gathering and you feel at home amongst your people, you know. Absolutely. That's so true. That's a good way to put it. That was definitely my experience. So I'm excited about June. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you're offering this year. Now, last year, you just did one speaking engagement at the conference. Is that right? Or did you do a three hour um, class? I did it. I did a three-hour class also oh, for, um, okay. yes, for mental health professionals around complicated grief, very similar to what I'm doing this year. And I um, also did a breakout session um, for other participants on how to manage um, uh, complicated grief. And I also did a grief share. So I'm doing all three of those things again this year. Wonderful. And how about for the continuing education credits? Will your Thursday um, pre-conference three-hour presentation, does that count for the continuing ed? It does, yes. It's continuing education through my company, SimPsych. Um, and it's around understanding complicated grief. Um, not so much in how to um, conduct, you know, complicated grief therapy. That's a, a more intensive training process. But just in terms of understanding what complicated grief is, how it's different from acute grief, um, how it looks very and feels very similar to major depression, but isn't the same and the importance of recognizing that. Great. And I know some people have asked us to, in prior years, if they are watching the videos through, well, we were doing a live stream. It's going to be a little bit different this year if the continuing education credits would count. And it's my understanding that you actually have to be there in person to get the credits for the continuing that, ed. That's right. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. And, um, and also in episode uh, 222, Sonia and I, we talked a lot about complicated grief in that session. So we're going to pick a different topic today. And just to let you guys know, too, the conference is set up. It's a Thursday through a Sunday. In Thursday morning, Sonia is going to be presenting from 9 to 12 um, that that little subject there with complicated grief. So that is considered to be a pre-conference workshop. Terry also has it set up where people 
can purchase a ticket to go just to that as well. So if you are in the Chicago area and maybe you're not looking to attend the whole conference, that's what they did previous years before, that people can actually purchase that ticket. Is that also the same this year for 2020? It is. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Okay. So all you people in the Chicago area that need your continuing ed credits, <laughs> register. Okay. So on in Saturday uh, at 1030 in the morning, you are running a workshop on how to help grieving friends and loved ones. So this mm -hmm. definitely is... Um, pretty fresh on my radar. I know we had a chance to touch base. A lot has happened in a year's time since we have last talked. And my audience is aware now that my mom passed away pretty tragically in October of 2019. And so I'm only about four months in into kind of working through the grief. And it's been really interesting in regards to how my friends and loved ones have been able to help me. Uh, a couple of things that I would like to point out is, well, there's, there's quite a few things. One, I think I have always tended to be, and maybe you as well, Sonia, because we are natural born therapists and it's what we do for a living. <laughs> we tend to be the consolers of our friends. Mm -hmm. And when the therapist of the friend group is totally broken down, sometimes that can freak a friend group out. I'm not saying my friend group totally freaked out, but it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, we usually go to April, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes I think there's a little bit of a stereotype that because I am a therapist, I should know how to handle my grief because I help mm -hmm. people do this. And that is, yes. I would say for anyone that is a friend of a social worker or a therapist, um, please do not think that they have their shit together and that they will be able to work through their grief easier. And I have to share with you that this was very well intended. It was a friend had reached out to me, had heard about my mom's passing, not a very close friend, but someone from high school who knew my mom. And that was kind of how the text message opened. I know you're a therapist and you're probably handling this very well and you know all the coping school, the coping skills, but you know, just want to let you know I'm here for you. And it was, it was very nice. It was a beautiful reach out and I really appreciated it. But a part of me kind of stepped back a second. I said, wow, people really think that just because I'm a therapist, I'm going to be good at this. I'm like, no, I'm not doing okay. <laughs> I'm right, like, right. You know, so, um, so those, that's one layer of this. And maybe we can start there. What are your thoughts on, on that? And how can, how can we have this conversation to help people who have friends that are grieving to coach them a little bit on maybe some of the things that are most helpful? Okay. Well, first I'd like to say that, um, it's really hard to um, be present with a friend who is grieving or another family member. Um, so that's important for starting. This is really hard work on either end. Um, and one of the reasons why it's so hard is that grief knocks us all back, every one of us. And anytime we're trying to show up for a friend or another family member or otherwise loved one to be in support uh, of their grief, it triggers our grief. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so if we haven't had really um, very positive um, experiences or healing experiences with our own grief, um, and sometimes even if we have, we're at a disadvantage starting out. 
Um, so it's, it's difficult for everybody. The other piece is we don't know what to say. Um, we can say some of the most unhelpful things in the spirit of trying to be as helpful as humanly possible. Um, but we don't know what to say. And then what might be, quote, right to say to one person, or that was very helpful, may be offensive to another person, because everybody's process is different. So I think that's most important starting out to acknowledge that we're all in a, um, a, a, a shaky boat, if you will, um, in rough waters together. Um, when grief happens. Yes, I, I would agree. Um, I remember, you know, when the word started getting out about my mom's passing, my cell phone blew up, right? Bombarded. Everyone's mm-hmm. checking on me, people that couldn't come to the services. Um, you know, my clients, some of my clients had heard about it about two weeks worth of them because I had to <laughs> cancel, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks of of clients on my end just to be able to, you know, get arrangements done and, and everything like that. So it was a a very busy time. And of course you have kind of that grief fog. Um, Mm -hmm. and I found, you know, the, the texts that were helpful for me. And like you said, it's different for everyone were the ones that just said, Hey, miss you thinking about you sending you love people that would just Mm -hmm. send me quick emojis. It was, Mm -hmm. I I really felt it was so palpable, the love and support coming my way, even energetically Mm -hmm. that really carried Mm -hmm. me through the, Mm -hmm. the tougher ones that, um, I found, you're kind of like sitting there looking at it were the texts when people are like, Hey, how you doing? And right. I was like, oh, like, you, do you really want to know how I'm doing right, right. now? It was so, right. and I, again, a beautiful reach out, well-intended mm-hmm. people really wanted mm-hmm. to know, but also on the other end, there's like, you know, a part of me grieving, wanting to protect people to really not let them know the truth mm-hmm. of what my morning was like, or, you know, what my nightmares were like that night. It's like, no, I'm really mm-hmm. not doing good. And it's hard mm-hmm. to really know when people ask that question, do they really want to know? Or right. are they just looking to say, yeah, you know, tough day, but doing okay. You know? So right. I found that to be a very loaded question. I was so overloaded with so many things going on that, my brain naturally wanted, it was good. It made me check in to be like, okay, how am I doing? But I really wasn't answering those texts, honestly. Mm -hmm, And sometimes mm -hmm. I didn't even have the energy to even text the person back because I just felt a little paralyzed in that question. Right. You know, it is a really loaded question and I'd like to make a confession, um, about that loaded question. Um, I recently asked, um, another therapist that when she was dealing with the death of her sister and she and her sister, um, were one heart. They were one heart always. And her sister, um, who died was my first therapist when I was in my, um, doctoral program. Um, and I, I, I can never express all of my gratitude and love for her. And so um, in the moment when I saw her, I asked the, the dumb loaded question, how are you? When I knew she was like, you know, um, she was really not in a good place. And so um, I was grateful that I had the awareness that that really was not, you know, the um, help, most helpful thing. I could have offered in that moment. And so um, 
I then, you know, said to her, this, you know, this is a really difficult process and just try to be as gentle as possible with yourself through it, you know, um, and her whole body <laughs> language changed, sort of opened up when I said that. Um, so, yeah, but it is a really loaded question. And I don't think most people are prepared for um, what the answer might be. And honestly, some people may be shocked by the answer that they might get. You know, um, sometimes people who aren't dealing with their grief are doing just fine because they're not present to it. And, you know, I mean, it could be a lot of different um, um, responses. But then one of the things that we fear most, and I hear this a lot with clients also, is that um, they're afraid to express the death of their grief because they're afraid other people can't handle it. And many times that's true, including sometimes therapists who, you know, um, haven't, work through sufficiently what it brings up for them you know yeah good point very good yeah so I, I think rather than us asking how are you doing if we feel compelled to ask that um it would be more helpful if we could ask how are you doing in this moment mm. is there anything that I can do to help you with how you're feeling right now yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like, like you're saying, even though you, you may have known that that would have been a loaded question. It's, it's not like we're, everyone's carrying around, a, you know, an instruction manual of what to say when your friend is grieving or, you know, what's the right thing to say in the right moment. And like you said, things can just trigger people at, mm -hmm. at different times. And now mm -hmm. I can answer that question really well, you know, or better, let's say better. Or perhaps in a way that people can tolerate, April. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, it's so important that we really need to have people in our life at that time who can manage the truth of that, that <laughs> of where we are in those early stages. It's messy, but we need so much to have at least one person who can even if they, you know, it's not necessarily about the magic words. It's about being able to stay present with us and not make it about them um, when it really is about our grief in that moment. Right. And, you know, the other thing, sometimes it's like knowing too much. But, you know, as as a therapist and knowing about vicarious traumatization and my mom's yeah. death being pretty tragic, a little gruesome. There's some things that I've was exposed to that normal people when somebody dies, aren't going to be exposed to. It's almost like you need, those are things that I process with my own therapist, but at the same mm -hmm. time, it's kind of like, there is a little bit of this protective factor of if you have lost someone through more of a tragic means that you tend to want to protect people from mm -hmm. more of that trauma and not have them be traumatized through your trauma. Right. You know? And sometimes that's helpful and other times it isn't because it's nice to have people um, that can hold the space for you, you know, mm -hmm. and if we're not really being totally honest or, you know, really saying kind of what's going on, then it can also feel like nobody's holding space. So right. do you have any right. suggestions on, on that? Because I know I'm clearly not the only person, um, but, you know, what would some of your, or what advice would you give people maybe that have on the other end of it more of an experience that is 
kind of loaded with even more trauma due to a tragic death and how to allow people to be there for you. I I agree with you in terms of holding back the details, um, um, the traumatic details um, with friends. Um, I think that's best processed with uh, a therapist or um, somebody who is, um, if not your, you know, indiv- your individual therapist, another close friend who is also a therapist um, who can help you with that. But um, um, so I should say, so I just agree with you on that. But I don't think it's required that the support that friends and family can offer us doesn't have to include those specific aspects of the trauma, of the the grief, um, rather than just knowing that there's trauma in it. And it's really more about um, the ability, and I I feel like I'm repeating myself, but to hold the space with you um, um, as you're processing all the emotions that come from um, the the fact that your loved one has died, the circumstances in which they died. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And and I also, you know, just because, like I said, it's pretty fresh for me now. But other things, if people are looking, you know, for examples or you know, how can I help my friend that is grieving? People mm-hmm. that I mean, food is huge, right? Because yes. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody knows like bring a dish, but uh, <laughs> you really, when you're grieving, time does not exist. You lose right. days there. You right. don't even know what time it is. You literally forget to eat and to mm-hmm. have food on hand there is really huge. Um, people that sent me these like little nice little support baskets as, as silly mm. as it may sound. Um, I had people buying me blankets. I got a lot of blankets <laughs> and, mm. um, I, maybe they intuitively knew I'm pretty tactile, but I got like these soft, fluffy blankets oh. and uh, beautiful boxes of tea and, uh, lots of plants, you know, lots of plants, lots of flowers. Mm-hmm. I had, um, some people also bought me uh, gift certificates to restaurants, like if they couldn't bring a dish. And I'll tell oh, you, nice. that came in so handy, you know, mm-hmm. weeks later when I still mm-hmm. wasn't able to cook or go to the grocery mm-hmm. store because um, mm-hmm. my grief was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Those were so helpful. So sometimes it's it's not even the words, but those gestures of comfort and yeah. anything that you feel might be comforting. I think there's mm-hmm. also things like that that could be very helpful when you're trying to help a grieving friend or a loved mm-hmm. one. And you know what, April, I'm so glad that you mentioned the gift certificates because um, they were helpful down the road. Because one of the things we forget is that grief doesn't end after the funeral or memorial service or burial. It really is just beginning because those rites, those rites or rituals that we have are um, a part of the process of helping survivors to take in the fullness of the loss and to really begin to uh, move into the grief, to move from the numbness, the shock, the like total confusion of it all. And so when our friends have gone back to work or back to their living, there we are. And, you know, like you said, time, we have no awareness of time. Um, You know, months down the road, we're still trying to put it together. So I think it's really important for our friends and family to understand that and to think about 
how they may be of um, support to us down the road, yeah. you know, months down the road. So um, I think it's wonderful if friends can uh, offer gift certificates for restaurants or meals or everything that we do in the beginning, in those first few days, for months down the road. We still need it. So important. Yeah, it's, you know, the grieving person, it kind of feels like life has hit the pause button, but everybody yeah. else's life is on play, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody else's life kind of continues and you kind of feel like, whoa, hold on world, slow down. Right. You know, all feels so slow. Um, right. but I would say too, I would suggest other questions instead of, you know, maybe how are you doing? Again, this is just my own personal experience. Um, a good question to ask is, when's the last time you did your laundry? Mm. When's the last time you went food shopping? Um, yes. You know, do you yes. need any shampoo? I mean, just staples. Right. Like, even if you can bring over some stuff and food, um, is you know, that's helpful. Shopping, mm-hmm. laundry. I mean, mm-hmm. I... I didn't realize it until it was Thanksgiving and I was taking leftovers from my family. I think it was Thanksgiving time. And I had realized that I haven't been food. I, I didn't step foot in a grocery store for weeks afterwards. I mean, I was kind of living off of, you know, food stuff. And then like, thank God, you know, here's Thanksgiving, but I could not bring myself to to go into such a stimulating environment to like do food shopping. So I was like, you know, and my family just, they were like, they looked at each other like, what? And I'm like, Oh, is that, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. Right guys. I should probably, (laughs) you know, but you just don't even realize it. And then, you know, I finally, I don't remember how many weeks it was, but then realized, oh my God, I haven't like washed my sheets. And I I went to go do that. And I started laughing at myself because I fall asleep with my socks on at night. And then I put them off on the bottom, I take them off on the bottom and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find my socks anywhere. And I felt like, gosh, you know, am I just, where are they going to? And I go to finally change my sheets. However, many weeks later, disgusting, right? Because I'm usually like an every Saturday (laughs) change the sheet girl. It's like a big running joke in my family. Anyway, so, and I go and I take the sheets off and there's 28 pairs of socks. Wow. Wow. And and I had to laugh at myself, you know, and I took a picture of, I was like, Hey guys found my socks. And guess what? Clearly I haven't (laughs) washed my sheets in a while, but you know, those are small little things that if you can remember, you know, remind your friends or family or just check in with them. Like, are they taking care of their, um, we call them ADLs, you know, in in the clinical world, which is adult daily living. Like, have they showered? Have they gone out food shopping? Are they cleaning their clothes? Uh, do they need help cleaning their house? You know? Yes. And you know, I think it's really, that's really important that you're bringing that up, April, because another question um, that we um, sometimes ask that isn't very helpful is, do you need anything? Or we say, call me if you need something. Well, as as you're pointing out, we don't even know what we need. So yeah, if we can ask about specific task um, that they might need help with. And again, ask, like, we shouldn't just go in and do what we think we will want somebody to do for us, but ask specifically, but to think about those ADLs or activities of daily living and, you know, what might they need Um, or ask permission, you know, is it okay if I go into your bedroom or into your bathroom to see, um, you know, what toiletries you need, or if I can change your bed for you, but ask permission. Yes. Yes. And, and these just might be some, you know, suggestions and small things that aren't even on 
people's daily radar. You know, people mm -hmm. may, may think, okay, well, I'll send a card or I'll do this. But sometimes we actually need people to come over and help, you know, but sometimes you don't know to ask that question. So if you're mm -hmm. even able to remind the grieving person, like, Hey, do you need help doing laundry? Do you need me to come mm -hmm. over and mail anything out? You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. those things are, are really, really helpful too. Yeah. And, you know, I suggest, um, that, uh, people who are, um, uh, support people, um, to put a reminder, like if you use a calendar, um, you know, online or on your phone to set a weekly reminder, um, for the next six months to check in on April or to check in on Sonia. Um, because, you know, it's the way that the world is. We go back to our daily, um, routine very quickly after, you know, the funeral rites for someone who's died. And, you know, we forget because it wasn't our loved one or a most significant one. And we just keep moving through life. But if, and you don't have to tell anybody if you have a call April, or call Sonia, um, uh, programmed in your phone or your calendar once a week, but do that for six months. So it's sort of a built in, um, um, uh, sort of reminder to check in with your loved one, you know? Yeah, I agree. Cause life happens so fast. And, you know, just even when I take a look at some events that have happened in my friend's life, since my mom had passed, they, they've got stuff going on too, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy to get wrapped up in our own worlds. And, mm -hmm. you know, even for me in going through the grief process, like I too still have to remember that like my friends have some things that they're going through, you know, I have to yeah. literally remind myself because I'm a little lost in my own world right now, mm -hmm. but to mm -hmm. reconnect and, you know, check on others. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, one of the things that I do, um, with clients, particularly those dealing with complicated grief, it's a part of the treatment protocol to, um, have them invite a support person and the person who they trust the most and who's most supportive to help them to understand more about complicated grief and to spend some time in the session, uh, uh, practicing um, making your own needs known in ways that you think would be most helpful for this person to respond to. Um, so to help people, you know, get more connected to what they need, express those needs, and to let the support person who's really trying their best off the hook for some things, get, let them get off the hook for um, being mind readers, you know, or having, they should know what I need without asking kind of thing, or us as grievers assuming that um, because the person who's being supportive to us has experienced loss, that their experience was the same as ours, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's, it's important if we can take as much responsibility as we can in our grief to make our needs known um, and for us to have a little bit of compassion as best we can for the people who are trying to support us um, in terms of, like you said, them having lives too and maybe not, maybe being too scared to show up or first, you know, because they don't think they're going to get it right, that maybe our loved ones um, disappoint us when we're in grief and in need because they don't know how to show up. But it's not that they don't love us or that they're too selfish, you know? 
Yes, I, I would agree. And I think, you know, I had some friends give me some good advice and one of them was allow people to help you, April. I thought, okay, <laughs> I'm going to. And, you know, mm-hmm. normally it would have been my, my personality if people would offer to be like, no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, mm-hmm. thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks anyway. Or no, you don't need to do right. that. And when people said, mm-hmm. can I do this? Can I bring you pizza? Can I do this? I said, I just kept saying yes. I said, yes, yes. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. And yes. that was a little hard for me, but I also knew <laughs> that people needed to also feel like they were that, that they wanted to take care of me and I needed to allow them to do that. Yeah. You know, and that was healing for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of, you know, put my ego aside and not be selfish in that and realize that, you know, people do feel kind of helpless and I need to also allow them to contribute whatever they want. So if people asked, I said, yes, please, all the time. Um, So that that was that was really personally good for me, too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of remind you, people do love you. (laughs) There's a lot of people that want to help and, you know, allow them to help you and don't be afraid to ask. Like you said, I mean, people are not mind readers. So I think when we are grieving, it is okay to ask for what we need and to know that sometimes we have to specifically ask for it because no one truly really knows what we need unless we tell them. That's right. That's right. Or if they ask us enough questions till they get to the yes. Um, And I like the idea of practicing. Yes. Thank you. Even if it means that you end up with 10 um, fresh pepperoni pizzas. (laughs) It's a good good practice. And also, I just want to offer for people who are uh, a part of, you know, support um, team when uh, a, a friend or family member, just a loved one, loses someone, um, that it really is an invitation for us to grow, mm-hmm. you know, to move through our fear of what it means to be vulnerable and to be present with somebody who is also like, really, like, I don't know that we're broken open any more than when we experience the loss of a loved one, you know, um, Oh, you just like got it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an invitation for people who want to be of support to grow, to move through their um, maybe unresolved or incomplete expression of grief based on their own losses, or if they haven't yet experienced um, a significant loss. Um, and I think I can count those people on one hand in my life, that it's good practice for what it will be like, it might be like for you. Um, but it's just an invitation for us to grow too, because we all have fear of being really, really vulnerable, um, of wanting to get it right, of, um, wanting to know, you know, feeling like we should know the right thing to do, but grief just isn't a straight line. It's messy and it's unique for every person. So, if we can think about it in that way, too, to see it as an invitation from the universe for us to grow, um, that, too, might be helpful. Well said. 
doctor. <laughs> You're the Thank best. you. You're the best. Well, I really hope, you know, that people hearing this are going to come on out to the Afterlife Awareness Conference and yes. see you and meet you in person. And remember, guys, that even if you don't have the time for Thursday through Sunday, show up Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12. Uh, check out what Sonia is offering there and get your continuing education credits. And yes. if you would like to uh, work with Sonia, if you have something to run by her, would like to contact her, why don't you give them your um, website address? Oh, okay. I just want to say one more thing, yeah. too, about the conference. I just remember mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be offering um, consultation for complicated grief um, at the conference. I'm licensed to do in-person therapy in Pennsylvania and online therapy in Pennsylvania and Florida. That's a recent addition. I just got licensed in Florida for um, online therapy. So I'm applying for just a temporary license in Illinois so that I'm able to um, offer consultation and counseling for participants at the conference in June. So that's something that um, I still have to ask Terry to add to the website to let people know that I will be doing private consultations um, from Thursday until Sunday also. Wow. Okay. You really are going to be busy. (laughs) You better take a vacation after this conference. (laughs) Probably. But it's all in being of service, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity. But if people want to learn more about um, me and my uh, uh, practice, my um, private practice, uh, it's Dr. Sonia, D-R-S-O-N-Y-A-L-O-T-T.com, DrSoniaLott.com. And if... um, Mental health professionals are interested in learning more about continuing education and upcoming workshops. Uh, you can find uh, SimPsych at www.cempsych.com. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to seeing you and giving you a big hug in oh, June yes. in Chicago. So yes. we'll be there with bells on. <laughs> Me too. And thank you so much again, April, for this opportunity. I'm really grateful for it. You and are all, welcome. And all the best to you um, as you move more fully through your grief process and uh, find meaning in, 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 in moving forward without your mom here in the physical Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, Okay. my dear. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four-day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out-of-body experiences and life-changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends. That was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on 
on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. 